This is an emergency. Please evacuate. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, reviews, technology, associated products, and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Oh, blimey, I forgot. How do I do this again? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, sort of back. Um, it's oh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Thank you to Simon for covering for me for the last few weeks again, and we'll probably be covering the second half of the show. And of course, thank you to all of the guests that have made an appearance in my absence. Uh, where have I been? Um, well, where haven't I been? Uh, the hell that was driving to and um, from London. And then for good measure, I thought the week after that, I'd do another event, which was... If, if anyone out there is on Strava, I know Dougie is going to have a look because that was just monster climbing. Uh, and then I needed a week off because I was a little bit broken. So again, thanks, Simon, for covering. And this week, we have a guest from the chat, uh, I do believe from the chat room, who's going to, you can tell it's been a while. Yes, we have a guest and all that sort of stuff on the Essential Apple Show. So anyway, um, how are we doing, guys? How's your week been then, Simon? You had a bit of a special day this week. Yes, well, it was my birthday. It was my birthday, so uh, that was very pleasant. And somebody sent me some wine. I'm not quite sure who. Uh, <laughs> but I did have a delivery of wine. Thank you very much, Mark. That was much appreciated. And other than that, uh, I've had fun with the iOS beta, public beta 5, haven't I? Fabulous fun. It's uh, the all gone horribly The betas have been wrong. spectacular this time around, haven't they? The, the first beta uh, was an absolute dog and a... It was that bad on my iPad, I couldn't actually charge my iPad up fast enough. I had to turn it off to charge it. Oh dear, I can't say I was aware of that. Uh, the actual betas, for me, have been quite good, but getting them in has not been quite so much fun. Um, and this time my iPhone told me that there was a, a new public beta 5, and I said, OK, get on with it then, and... After two days of it still saying it was downloading, I thought something's not really working here, is it? Uh, so I tried rebooting my phone, taking off the public beta profile, rebooting it. Eventually, I backed it up, wiped it, restored it. Oh, don't don't ask. And uh, I'm still in the same situation. If you go into if you go into set, settings, general software update, it says preparing update, downloading. Um, and it's been like that now for a best part of a week. So uh, I don't really know what to do. The uh, The option seems to be completely flat my phone, install it as a new phone under 10.3.3, is it? Um, then re-update it to 11 and then somehow do a restore. So Have you not moment, tried just doing the old-fashioned thing of plugging it into your Mac with a cable and then seeing oh, if yeah. it'll pull down the update yeah. that way? Yeah, done all that, done ah, all that. Right. <laughs> I have, uh, and every time, by the way, every time you do you, you do wipe the phone so that you can restore it, it breaks the connection to the Apple Watch, so the Apple Watch has to be wiped and restored as well. Oh, oh that's oh, just yeah. a nightmare. So, at the moment, I've left it, and I'm hoping that there's another public beta, and somehow that will 
override the one that it appears to be stuck on and we'll somehow sort it out. And if not, I'll have to worry about what to do about it later. But the phone is working fine. You know, the phone is, is absolutely fine, but I'm stuck on public beta 4 for the moment. I haven't got the lolly sticks. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, other than that, and that, you know, that must have taken me ooh, four or five hours of buggering about to no avail to try and fix. Good job I was on holiday, wasn't it? Good job I was having uh, a week off. There we go. So that's enough about me. Now I think you should have a word with Pete. Yes, Pete, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, okay. We've just been, well, we've spent about 20 minutes before the show just talking all things cycling. Um, so tell us a little bit about how did you get into the world of Apple? What sort of gear have you got? And are you a regular upgrader? So yeah, just tell us about the Apple stuff, okay. really. Yeah, well, I, I guess I was driven to um, Apple, Mac, Bill Gates and Windows, having um, sat in front of a blue screen um, updating my Windows system for so many times during the 1990s. So I thought, you know what, there's got to be a better way forward. So I switched to the Mac in 98, and I've owned most sort of Macs since then. Um, I'm a big fan of Apple. Uh, I now have um, the usual, you know, iPhone, iPad. Recently got an Apple Watch. Took a while to decide whether to get an Apple Watch, and now I've, uh, I'm not sure I can live without it. <laughs> I'm such good things with you on that one it's that thing of the battery life has gotten so good on it I literally just keep forgetting to charge it and then and then you just graze charge it and then it's off again whenever I leave the house it's like have I got my wallet have I got my phone ah yeah right uh oh my apple watch and I, I will actually go back if I'm down the road on the way to work just to go and get it yeah. So, so you, you mentioned you've got. Sorry, go on. Mark, you you have one of the newer ones, though, don't you? Yes, uh, the version two. Ah. You have the, the the two. Is that the one with the GPS? It is. Yes. Yes. Uh, See, so, Pete and I both have original series zeros, and Pete was telling me before the show that one of his only gripes is he's got the 38 mil which probably doesn't help because i believe that has a smaller battery mm-hmm. but yeah if he goes on a long walk you know sort of a an all-day hike that he finds that the and and he has it recording his activity that the the battery suffers quite heavily it, it does yeah i need to charge it up as soon as i come home but yeah that's the my main gripe with it is that uh, they need to improve the battery life but it but it sounds like they have <laughs> Oh, the diversion two is well. I'm on the 48 mil, so obviously there's going to be some discrepancy there. Yeah. Um, but the the version two has been spot on. I haven't done anything that I said I was going to do with it. I.e., have it playing music whilst using the GPS and going out for a run. Right. So that's the that's the litmus test uh, for me. But the yeah. general day to day usage of it, like, I, I Apple Pay, always using it on there. Oh, I think that's, it's that, great, that, isn't it? Oh, it's, I don't want to say revolutionary, but oh, yes, it, oh, there's no difference really than blinking your hands, your wallet out and getting your card out. Yeah. But it's just so nice. I, the amount of times now I go out about a wallet, uh, and the, in fact, I even got quiet by this the other day. I went to the garage, filled up with fuel, and it was like, oh, okay, I'll be able to put 15 pounds in. Can I pay my contactless? No. Bugger. <laughs> so yeah, it's I, caught I, me out. I, I was in B&Q this morning, and, uh, you know, they're, they're all trained to, ask you how your day went, etc. Um, yeah. And I I constantly uh, harangue the staff that their um, their payment method doesn't support contactless yet. 
and it, it does it does feel like you're going back in time because you can't pay by contact list, let alone Apple Watch. Yeah, I don't want to touch a keypad where other muggles have been Precise. touching it. I don't know where they've been and what they do. Yeah, blimey. So what other um what other Apple stuff have you got then? So you've got the Apple Watch. What phone yeah. and are you a desktop or a, a MacBook user? What um, else have you got I've, there? I've got a MacBook Pro at the moment. It's my second MacBook Pro. I've got the 2015. I decided when Apple launched the new version of the MacBook Pro um, last year that it was probably a good time to buy the previous year's model, the 2015. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with Simon about it at the time, actually, because uh, I was visiting his place of work. And we were waiting for something to download and we were having a chat about it. And Simon said, yeah, I'd, I'm not sure I, I would back a piece of um, hardware that's in its original form, you know, in its uh, version one state. And, of course, it looks like Apple agree with him because um, I, I think, uh, was it about six months later they uh, they upgraded the original um yeah they did didn't they i think they yeah. uh i'm not quite sure what they did but they d- definitely improved it I don't, did they upgrade to the next processor was it was that the thing they did they stuck in the sky lake was it i think i went to or was that the latest revision? no kb lake it was right. they put sky lake in the first one and i think right. that was what a lot of people what a lot of the critics were saying but of course i think I'll be fair, they'd, they'd painted themselves into a bit of a corner because they'd waited so long to bring out a new Mac laptop that they, they couldn't really wait any longer because it was becoming painful. But the the KB Lakes weren't ready, so they had the choice, really, to ship one with a Skylake processor and have everybody say, why is it not KB Lake? Because people were saying, yeah. oh, the KB Lake is, is available. But it had literally just become available. Now... Just because Apple say we've just released this this laptop and you can buy it next week. I mean, that's been six months in the build-up, hasn't it? You, they've had to build it with Skylake because KB Lake wasn't ready. And then when they announced it, KB Lake had just been announced as production ready. So you've got critics saying, oh, well, they should have put KB Lake in it, but they'd have had to wait another six months. So yeah. after six months, of course, they revved it and stuck a KB Lake in it. Comsi, Comsar. There's yeah. always something better around the corner in technology. You, oh, you just yes. have to, yes. you have to buy what you want or what you require when you need it, and don't. Yeah. I think it was Charles Shah Murray who used to write in the back of the Mac user. I don't know if any of you remember yeah. that. Yes. They used to have a little shutdown column. Yeah, anyway, that's no, right. And I remember. Uh, I think it was Charles Shah Murray. Any one time he wrote this piece. And I'm talking in the 90s here about how he just shelled out for this new Mac. Lord knows what, probably a 2FX or something. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, after I've done that, I'd, I'm not, I don't look at any magazines because this was before the net was really a big thing. And it was like, I don't look at any magazines or any adverts for, for Macintoshes for at least six months. Yeah. Because knowing my my luck, the minute I shell out my six grand, uh, they'll announce a new one that's twice as fast, half the price, and they'll be announcing them free with cornflakes, you know, before I blink. And <laughs> as uh, Simon says, Charles Charles Murray um, said, you know, as soon as he buys something, they'll be um, cheaper, faster, and you know, much better, just around the corner. So. Yeah, once I bought my 2015 Mac, MacBook Pro, I didn't look at um, the uh, 2016 or indeed the uh, the 2017. But 
the this MacBook Pro is probably on balance the best Mac I've owned because it's really fast. It's got its own screen. You can pick it up, walk with it. You know, it's got uh, 16 gig of RAM in it, one terabyte SSD in it with incredibly fast access time. So all in all, it's just the best Mac I've um, I've owned. But at least with Apple and their somewhat dodgy timescales for updating stuff. Well, like take the iPad for example. You can get an iPad and you you know that you're you're going to be pretty much golden for the best part of a year before yeah. they do the annual refresh. It's I suppose that's one of the good things about the uh, Apple with the iPhone is that unlike Android and Samsung and HTC who are like pushing out handsets like crazy, you know it's like oh right, it's only once a year. I've got to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm still rocking a 6S, and hopefully I might have the pennies to get the new one. I don't care. It just, from everything I've seen, it just looks awesome. But just coming back to the Apple Watch, you guys have obviously seen all the rumors about it probably having LTE, or yeah. though this came from an analyst. Oh. Do we think that's even remotely possible? Because they're saying well, LTE, which is basically abbreviation for i'm just going to kill your battery if you dare well, this, try is, and this is the thing that this is the thing that scott and i were discussing last week now the web is alive and maybe it is going to be lte because as scott said you know it might be that other other modems or other chipsets are just no longer available but it would i'd rather go with three i mean because why do you need lte in the apple Watch? well this is this is what i said and it i was basically reiterating what Brian Chaffin had said on TMO Apple Context Machine, which was, mm. why would you need to put LTE in your watch? You know, it's renowned for being quite high power. It's renowned for being relatively bulky. And it doesn't seem like a good fit. And Brian Chaffin was suggesting that maybe it would come with 3G and that that would be perfectly adequate for what he thought the sort of information that the, the watch would need to share. Scott, quite rightly pointed out that it might be that you just can't get 3G chipsets or modems anymore and that then that's just not viable. But I am very much of the opinion I don't actually see that adding cellular connection to your watch is going to be of a huge amount of benefit, but then I don't run or cycle or do any oh, of these blimey, yeah. Could you imagine that, trying to use the GPS on a watch with <laughs> LTE? Blimey, it's bad enough going cycling with an iPhone having 4G on. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's without using the GPS. I mean, if I know when I'm on a having a bad phone day because I something somewhere is using the GPS, and that alone is one of the biggest battery, you know, biggest battery killers. I I, I just don't see. It. I I can't unless Apple have come up with something. I just can't see any reason why you'd want to have a, a modem in your watch. Although it could be a very good conspiracy theory to help Qualcomm get back on their feet after uh, their share price plummeted off a cliff but then if if that's <laughs> unless apple have made up with qualcomm they won't be using a qualcomm chip i i think i think the biggest uh, reason for putting lte or indeed 3g in the phone is that it will give um the carriers a reason to charge us more money yeah and uh, there's it seems to be a general swell of opinion that an awful lot of people you know and i know this is before it's even announced and what but there's already a, a fair amount of groundswell on the on the tech pages and on the blogs and whatnot of people saying i'm not sure that it's worth any money to me to have lte mm. in my watch i might yeah i might be prepared to pay a dollar yeah to have it yeah. but 
as the carriers are well known for stiffing us over, it's likely yeah. to be five or ten dollars a month for the privilege. And the answer oh, to that yeah, would be either. you better be making one that hasn't got LTE or I won't be, you know, because I won't be buying it. But the only usage case I could see for it would be for those people who don't have iPhones but would like an, an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. That potentially opens it up to a massive market, but. Well, it does, but I I just worry about the battery life. I mean, unless they have some kind of system where the LTE only comes in for one minute an hour or something, I, I can't see how it's going to not burn your battery up in minutes, let alone not make the watch so hot it burns a hole in your wrist. Well, I mean, it's not only that, though, is it? It's like if you go to, well, let's say you go to the inside of a pub where I, well, where I basically end up most Fridays, there's no signal in there anyway. And unless you go into airplane mode, that you can just feel the phone getting a bit warmer because it's absolutely blasting all the radios to try and reach out to the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but we shall see. Maybe if Apple have got some fandangled new thing for it, but uh, I wonder if they'll let you do tethering. Imagine that, just using your Apple Watch as a modem to tether from. Say goodbye to your yeah. battery life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't. I mean, my hope would be that the courier service providers had the decency to say, "Well, you've got you've got data on your phone plan, and you can tie your yeah your watch to that." But yeah, I'm not hopeful because they love any excuse to stick you for some more money. They certainly do. Yeah. Oh, and speaking right, of which, well, this is this is this was the week that Windows Phone is officially dead. It is no more. Uh, Microsoft have stopped selling uh, Windows phones on their own website, I think. Only HP are committed to the Microsoft phone. Who cares? Well, it's kind of passed me by, I must admit. I'm still a bit sad about that, I have to say. The whole thing was I didn't mind the Windows, call it what you like, modern, metro, the squares. On Mm. the phone, it actually worked really well. And I I, I thought it was brave of them to to break from Android and iOS and do something different. And on the phone, it worked really quite well. Their problem was they were too late and they didn't get the developers. And, you know, I bought my girls Windows phones because they had some really good sort of budget to mid-range phones and there was about a year where they became very popular with the teams because you could get one for about £100 on a reasonable contract and it seemed like a great thing and they were all going for these these Windows phones Hmm. but the rot set in when after about six months they found that they couldn't get a proper Snapchat client that uh, didn't support Instagram oh, yeah, properly yeah. or this it's or all, that. It, it is all down to the App Store. And, and they didn't capture enough apps. They did have a window of opportunity, as I say, when you know a fair chunk of the sort of teen, early 20s were buying them because they were producing Nokia, were turning out some nice Lumia phones with good specs at, at relatively cheap prices. And they they almost caught it there. If they got the developers on board there, they might have had a chance. They'd probably be a minority player, but they might have established a decent base. But they never well, catch the developers. Even now, the, the Windows Store is 
it's just almost desolate. It really, <laughs> well, really is. It's, but that's I mean, it's I, a chicken and egg, isn't it, Mark? It's a chicken and egg. They didn't capture the developers, so their sales went down. So then less developers are in, interested, and then the sales go down more, and then the developers are in there starts pulling or or dropping their support altogether, and then it becomes a, a desert. It becomes dead yeah, because does, yeah. And what killed it was not the hardware. It wasn't even the the Windows operating system. It was the lack of it was the lack of apps. That's you know. After nine months, my girls were saying this phone's useless. Well, oh, what's wrong with it? it? Makes phone calls. It does this. It does that. Yeah, but I can't do Snapchat. I can't do Instagram. Yeah. You know, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. I can't join in with my mates because I can't get a proper client for whatever it is. Yeah. And that killed it stone dead. Yeah. That generation were all shifting. Right. I want rid of this Windows phone. I don't care if I have a cheap Android or a second-hand iPhone. I don't care what it is, as long as it's not Windows, because I need the apps. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, I quite liked the look of the Windows phone. I like that sort of Mondrian um, look. You know, with all the little. Um, yeah, with the squares. Shapes, uh, the squares. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, I had worked. a play with one at the uh, the gadget show a couple of years ago. And I think I was fairly sniffy about it at the time. Uh, I must admit, I quite like the look of it. Obviously, I've quite... never moved. No, but the, it was quite clever. It was quite innovative. There were there was the fact that those squares you could resize yourself, so you could yeah you could make whatever was most important to you. So. Yeah. Because they were yeah. showed live information, some of them. So if you if what was most interesting to you was the news feed, you could make that fill up four or nine blocks and yeah. so on and so forth. And that meant you could adjust as well, which was something I really liked. You could have your Skype button and your phone button big at the top and then, you know, a, a, a rectangle with your news feed. Yeah, it was sensibly some... customizable. It wasn't like you yes. could completely reskin it. It was just like, well, I can move up. Uh, what killed it for me was when Microsoft dropped their minimum requirements. Because when, they, when the Windows phone first came out, uh, it was along the lines of, if you want to run Windows 10 on, uh, sorry, Windows on a phone, not Windows 10, you must meet this minimum requirement. And then I thought that's brilliant because you're not going to have this situation where you go into a supermarket or somewhere, you buy a laptop and it's going to be a cheap pile of crap and it's going to run Windows 10. It's like, yeah, you've set a good base standard then. And then they dropped it. And then they made all these promises about if you buy this phone, it'll definitely be able to get the next version of Windows. And then that um, that went out the window, pardon the parlance. And then what really damaged the confidence for me was that every single time you looked at a Windows phone, there was an offer on or there was another offer on and then there was another offer on. And then one week there was £100 off. Next week was £120 off. And it, it just damaged any sort of yeah it kills your confidence, confidence yeah. doesn't it i mean what was the uh the amazon phone wasn't it i mean it launched and it was hmm. it launched at what was it 199 pounds and within a week it was 99 pounds and by the end of the second week it was selling for like a tenner i mean hmm. <laughs> and they'd only launched it a fortnight and it was selling for nothing it's like no i'm sorry it's if it's crashed in price that quickly it can't be any good you're not going to buy it are you 10 quid or not this is where yeah this is where you get into the whole fragmentation thing so in work we use android phones and the only reason we use android phones is because we can't afford to get iphones that's and bearing in mind 
a few of the IT team aren't big iPhone fans, mm. but they go, if we had an iPhone, this would all be fine. Because with Android, you can get, um, you can manage your Android devices by using Meraki, which is a service provided by Cisco that lets you manage your phones. You know, we can see data usage, where people are with the GPS, push out apps to it and all that sort of stuff. The only problem is, is that some versions of the phones that we have support what's called Android for work and some don't. So you can buy a Motorola, well, I'll go with an example here, the G4. The version one doesn't support Android for work, but the version two does. But you try finding out if that is a if that's a version one of that phone or a version two, you end up in a complete nightmare. And that's again that was a, that was that should have been an area where Microsoft could have come in and said, right, you buy these phones, you've got a way to manage them and profile them, make it easy. But they just went down this whole route of oh Windows anywhere every time, which is fine in principle, but it was just the execution of it. And the Windows Store, well, blimey, don't get me started on that. How many note-taking apps can you get in one store? And I know <laughs> this is, and I know you've got to level that same criticism at the Apple you can level store. That, you can level that anywhere. Uh, I went, this is a sidetrack, I know, down a rabbit hole, but in the... Not like us? No, no, never. Not, not, but just just for once, humour me. <laughs> In the all that mucking about with my phone because of the stuck beta, I discovered that I had an app called Secure Notes, which had a nice icon of a padlock, and it was very simple. It's just a notepad, but you have to enter your password or the password that you have set to use it. However, when I did a restore, I got the message, no longer available in the App Store. <sighs> ah. Yes, ah, no longer available in the App Store. So that's a bit of a blow because the only option I've got now is to delete it and that takes all its data with it. So all the rubbish, which, you know, a lot of it is rubbish, but I've got various passwords for things that I don't use very often and whatnot in there. So that's a bit of a fag. So I thought, well, there's no point crying over it or desperately trying to restore it from a backup or whatever because if it's gone, it's gone and eventually I'll be in the same boat. So... I'll just go into the App Store and type in Secure Notes. Well, lordy, lordy, how many are there? Oh. You know, notepads, effectively, a notepad clone with a password lock. There are tons. How on earth do you choose one? It's, yep. I had to download about six and experiment with them until I found one I liked. And, of course, then you've got to go, well, all these ones that say with in-app purchases, what, what, what are the in-app purchases? So I had to download a, about six different ones to determine, in the end, I found one which was free and did exactly what it said on the tin, which is it's a notepad with a password lock. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, I've actually got a good story here about Apple and their customer service for once. Go on then. Um, so, as I've said earlier on the top of the show, uh, I'm currently broadcasting from a child's bedroom above. <laughs> I can't. I'm in the bottom of a valley in a child's bedroom, looking out of a window in my cycling gear. Um, now, the reason I mention this is because the lad's room I'm currently in is festooned with Minecraft everything and anything. And uh, the other weekend, they were trying to buy some Minecraft coins. 
And of course, they got it horrendously wrong because they were rushing. It's like the kid was excited. He wanted the coins to go and buy stuff. And basically the whole process got, well, that was a nightmare in itself because to buy the Minecraft coins, you go into Minecraft on the iPad, then you have to sign up and create a Microsoft account. Then you can buy your Minecraft coins. So a complete and utter palaver. And anyway, it went wrong. So basically about 10 pounds down, I think it was. Um, so I found a way to say report a problem to the to the Apple team. Uh, they said they are responding in 40 hours. They responded in, 20, in a couple of hours, said, yeah, we've got your email, blah, blah, blah. And then a day later, they credited back the missing in-app purchases. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very smooth and very, very impressed because it could have gone down a huge, huge rabbit hole to say, oh, well, did you have a Microsoft account? We'll speak to Microsoft and all that sort of stuff. But no, nope, the money was credited back. And, uh, yeah, actually... Oh, that's, um, yeah, that's really good. I've heard very good things about the app store and the in-app purchase support team yeah i've heard very very good things about them Uh, not that i've ever had to use them but i have heard that if you buy something and it doesn't work properly if you buy something and it doesn't happen if you have a problem with an app that doesn't work correctly all those things if you get in touch with the app store support team i've heard that they are very very good at resolving these things they will find out if it's a problem if it's a bug if it's something that can be fixed if if uh, a product you know needs to be reported as a scam or dud and so on and so forth i've heard people will say and the same thing apparently about itunes uh several people have said to me that they bought films or shows on itunes which were not as described for one reason or another, and they've got in touch and said, Apple, I bought this film, and it was, you know, whatever they are, eight ninety nine or something. Yeah. And, you no, know, it was described as a dark thriller. No, it's some Czechoslovakian slapstick comedy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the hell's going yeah. on here? Because no, it, not it is... all films are titled uh, correctly. I watched a, I watched a, it, this was a cheap budget sci-fi movie, and I watched it. It was on Amazon the other night, and it wasn't a bad movie. Don't get me wrong, but the title was Moon Trap Target Earth, and the description was something to do with uh, discovering a portal that took them to the moon, where hostile robotic creatures were waiting to take over the Earth. Uh, was that the plot yeah. of the movie I watched? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, it vaguely involved the moon and robots. Uh, it was much more like a 2001, you know, a sub-2001 rip-off type movie. It was exciting enough. The end was rubbish, but the rest of it was good enough to keep me entertained. I didn't turn it off and go, what is this trash? But it had nothing to do with the description whatsoever. So... You know, if I'd paid good money for it, I suppose I might have been, you know, I might have been inclined to say, oi, this isn't what it says. The other one that Amazon, and this is, I know, not really Apple related, the other one that Amazon are guilty of is when you look at a film, there's the description and then country it's in and what studio it's from. And then it will say subtitles, yes, no, and what language uh, or what languages are available. And then it says audio. And that should describe what language the film is in. So if it says subtitles English, language Spanish, you know it's a Spanish film with English subtitles. But several times I have looked at films and thought, that looks vaguely interesting. And it will say audio English. And then you put it on, no. 
<laughs> uh, there was one last night. There was one last night. It was a, a thing. It was called. It was some Viking movie, anyway. And it, it, it was obvious that it was it had been made in Sweden or Norway or somewhere by the you know by the details. But it said audio English subtitles English. So I thought, well, I'll give that a go then. Well, no, it was in Norwegian. Right. <laughs> with subtitles. With English subtitles. So I could have watched it if I wanted. I wasn't in the mood to watch a subtitled film, so I thought I'll I'll put that by. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world, I admit. But damn annoying if it, well, what if about it you, said Pete? it was are in you Norwegian, a, you know. I mean, are you a Netflixer or an Amazon person now, Pete? Um, or, yeah, I've recently uh cancelled our Netflix subscription because we just we just weren't watching it. Uh I have an Amazon Prime account, so I use um, the Amazon Prime uh, store. Yeah, we've got a um, got an Apple TV, and I have a uh, Samsung Blu-ray player that's got all the internet apps on it, so we can uh, uh, watch the iPlayer and the ITV Hub, um, Channel Four, Channel Five, etc. But you know, some of that means you have to sit down and think about what you want to watch, and sometimes you just want to sit down and turn the TV on and find something interesting to watch. Yep. Without going through too many hoops. Yeah, uh, that is true. That is true. Biggest problem for me with Amazon is, um, and to some extent Netflix, is that you've got to sit down. Uh, and for me, the best way to watch Amazon is actually to stream it from my phone. Right. Because if I stream it from my laptop, it tends to get laggy. I guess it attempts to download a much higher res version hmm. and then stream that to the Apple TV. So from my phone is best. Um, but that means you've got to choose. Yeah. yeah and on, your, so on a fairly small screen, you've got to keep flicking through all these films and TV shows and bringing them up, trying to see which one you want to watch. Yeah. Because there's no kind of... If they had a couple of channels just playing random things, that probably wouldn't yeah. do them any harm. No, a sort of no. sampler. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, I've just got an iPad mini, which we're going to use... Uh, well, <laughs> my idea is that we use it as a, um, a media control hub. You know, we've so we've got all these streaming services on it. We've got the Radio Times app on it, etc. And we've got I've got some uh, Sony wireless speakers around the house, so we can control the music that plays through those, etc. So that that's my um, my idea. But my partner, oh, that sounds like a, that sounds like a very good idea, actually. I think yeah, that would work rather yeah, well. My my partner just wants to be able to sit down and press a couple of buttons, a couple of physical buttons, and then. <laughs> Yeah, God, blimey. Yes. Talk about yeah. going back to the Stone Age. Yes. Pressing then, a button. And then blimey. Set the guide on the uh, on preset and decides that there's nothing on and then goes and reads a book or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sense. It, it, I'm well admit, I do love my internet enabled light bulb. I really, really do. But the sort of um, the specialness of it is soon lost when. You realise, like, right, so turn on the light. It doesn't work with HomeKit, so I can't say, hoi, hoi, right. telephone. you got to get your phone, unlock it, find the app, wait for it to connect to the bulb, and then do it. And it's like, d- d- there's just a switch on the wall. And I'm going, yeah. yes, I know. Yeah, I know, but, but that switch is not con- <laughs> Yeah, and that switch is not connected to the internet. <laughs> yeah, I've got a... No, it doesn't stop working when it rains. Did you <laughs> notice yeah. that? Yeah. Mark, that switch on the wall doesn't stop working when when, when the rain comes. Yeah. Well, it's Nor all right it now. The, the drizzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, actually... got, I've got a hive um, um, system here, and I'm adding things to it. And I've got a, a hive bulb, um, and we've got that app on the uh, iPad Mini. You know, because my partner never touches the lamp that the hive bulb <laughs> is in. 
you know, because it's, well, because she has to launch an app, etc., and she refuses to have it on her phone. So I've got it on the <laughs> iPad, so I'm hoping that, you know, she'll... Uh, I'm she'll liking her more and more, Pete. I'm liking her more and more. Join the resistance. Join the resistance. That's right, yeah. I've been constantly checking the IKEA webpage because the, they've got the... Uh, They've actually got some really nice kits for about £40 where you get like two light bulbs uh, and what looks like the Amazon Echo Dot thingy. Oh. Uh, and a couple of months ago, they were saying that they're going to re- they're going to upgrade it by a firmware to support um, HomeKit. And I've right. just been checking and checking. I'm going, the second that happens, that is it. I don't care how frustrating it is. I don't care that it won't be able to understand me when I've come back in from the pub and had a few pints. I just want it to. I just want it to be there in my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, I keep the uh, hive bulbs and plugs in my wish list at Amazon, and then I monitor the prices because they do go up and down. And Amazon, bless them, uh, tell me how much the price has dropped um, since the uh, since I've been tracking it. And they also uh, allow you to look at how much you paid for it. Uh, oh, nice. The one nine months ago. Yeah, that's how actually much, a good how trick. How much are the bulbs then for the hive? I think they are, uh, in theory, they're thirty pounds. I think, but you can buy them cheaper. You watch the price go up and down. Um, I may have paid about fifteen pounds for mine because I, uh, I, I'm a little bit tight like that. I like to, um, I like to make sure I'm getting value for money. Oh, I, I'm I with you on it. that. Poundland have some. El cheapo plastic. <laughs> they look like a light bulb, but basically it's like a small bit of wire that's got probably six or so LEDs in them. Uh, right. And I went out and bought a couple just so that when I'm working at night, I don't have to turn the light switch on because they're solar panelled. Now that's being cheap. Right. Admittedly, it's probably not being that cheap because it would cost me less than electricity. But that's not <laughs> the point. Um, but no pete is right that is a very there's a very that's a handy hint and i've discovered that if you if you put things in your wish list they just go in your wish list if you put them in your shopping basket and don't buy them and put them in saved for later every time you look in there amazon will tell you if the price has gone up or down Mm. oh okay Um, that was something i was not so so you just basically save for later. Yeah, oh, put right, them okay. in your shopping basket. Then instead of go to checkout, put save this for later. And every time you check that, there will be a thing at the top saying prices for, for items in your save for later list have changed. And it will say, for example, the hive bulb was yeah. $29.99. The current, current, tell you what the current price is. Yes, here we are. I have it in front of me. So the hive active plug. I added it to my wish list on the 2nd of July 2016 and the price was £39 when added to list. It is currently £31, so the price has dropped 20%. Yeah. So, I, no, I'm a... still amazed as well when <laughs> just in a lot of ways I despise Amazon for mm. everything it stands for. Yes, but I however, yeah. you can be at your phone at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night and if you want to buy something, it's there next day and you yeah. don't have to pay delivery. No. And that it's impressive, but it scares the living daylights out of me in some respects. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And how many people are working at zero hours contracts, um, minimum wage or less than minimum wage to fulfill all of this for you? Oh, the uh, I've, I've cycled past the, the, the warehouse in Swansea. It's huge. Really? I mean, you're talking 
probably a good couple of minutes cycling at a you know at a fairly decent rate to get from one end of the building to the other. Really, it's absolutely oh, yeah, stonkingly massive, humongous, aren't they? They're, they're like giant aircraft hangar type affairs. Yeah, and you know what? This means speaking of Amazon, we have an affiliate link for Nemo's Hardware Store, mm-hmm. and if you use our affiliate link, we get a very very. I mean, it is really small actually, amount of commission. But it really, really helps. And I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to all of you out there who do use our Amazon affiliate code because it does help to go in to pay for the hosting, helps to go in to pay for the websites, and basically keep things going. And that is going to be one of the best segues I could do to say, John, over to you. There's an innovative design studio in Munich, Germany, that created a product that just arrived here at Nemo's hardware store called UDOC, U-D-O-Q. And that's their website also, udoc.com, U-D-O-Q.com. These are universal docks that can be used for Apple iOS gear and also gear from the competition. Comes in four sizes, 250, 400, 550, and 700. Those are the lengths of them in millimeters. So the 250 is $110. The 400 that we have for review, $146. The 550 is $182. 700 is $218. You can put up to five different iPads and iPhones in the Apple versions, and you can order them with any combination of lightning tips, 30-pin conventional dock tips, micro-USB port tips, and or USB-C tips. They're one and a half meter long cables that snake out from underneath the frame of the U-Dock, in my case, the U-Dock Apple 400. So I've got four lightning tips. That's the one they sent us for evaluation here. Then you've got four one and a half meter cables sticking out from the frame in the back. And then you can purchase from UDOC or any place you like your power plug that has the two, three, four, or five USB charging ports in it. You'll have to look at the website. It has beautiful descriptions, videos. It's really a gorgeous website. Congratulations to UDOC for your presentation. You can adjust the height inside the sliding frame. If you have a case, for instance, I've got cases on my iPhone and iPad. So the standard height of the tip where it comes out from the housing is a little bit too short. So they provide a little tool so you can adjust that and have that tip stick out somewhat further. So the fact that you have a case on your device is not a drawback. My wife, who is very fussy about looks and function, said, John, this is a really nice product. And we slid the lightning tips over to make room for one in the middle. And she put her iPad in it and she is happy as can be. That leaves room for my iPhone on one side and a couple of iPod touches over on the other side. So it's very easy to use, very easy to adjust. It's built to last forever. You could hold up your Humvee in this thing. It is so sturdy. Yet when you set it down on a table, whether it's glass or wood or whatever, it has a soft, 
rubber strip running along the back so it won't scratch the table that you set it on. Very nice job, UDOC. We will stock these in enormous quantity here at Nemo's Hardware Store in all sizes so you can put two, three, four, or five of your Apple products in them and you can also custom order them from UDOC with the different tips. I think you'll like what you see and they've done a very good job on their style, design, form, function, durability, and I think affordability too when you realize this is the last dock you're going to need for your Apple gear. Back next week. As always, John, thank you very much for recording Nemo's Hardware Store. As I said before, we had that seamless segue. We do have an affiliate link. It doesn't cost you a penny. You don't have to sign up, press a button, click anything. You don't have to pay anything extra in fact even if you've got stuff in your car already if you click on our link then it will take you to amazon if you've got stuff in your car and you check out we will get some commission from that and also a huge 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 thank you to our patient subscribers who give us the spare change that they find down the back of the sofa or if you're an american couch guess that's what they would call it in canada as well uh, for supporting the show right chaps um i'm having a bit of a meltdown over here because there's three ipads going on we've already dropped out twice i'm using my iphone where the battery is just about to die and my airpods are starting to make that sound so unfortunately i have to be the hostess with the least this uh and um leave you to it i sh- i will be back hopefully next week okay he says bravely um pete <laughs> thank you very much for coming on um simon i shall leave the yes, good mate. ship essential apple in your hands okay okay nice talking with you mark Brilliant. cheerio bye-bye well that's mark uh he's had to pull out because he needs to get to lift home because he's pulled a muscle or something cycling and as you heard he's stuck at a friend's house in the rain in the bottom of the valley and his battery is dying Mm -hmm. so he's left the show to me and to pete here and we're going to carry on show must go on and all that so quite a lot of you are photographers and if you use Flickr, Mac Jim in our Slack room says, please check your settings as there's been a change to the service user agreement. You are now opted into the new owner's sharing of your details to all their group of companies. And I believe Flickr, which did used to belong to Yahoo, has now been taken by Verizon, I think. Yeah. Uh, but they're part of a group and apparently this means that they're now going to share out your details. Uh, there is a way to opt out by following the link when you log in you will see a message saying that there will be changes made later this year the link will take you to the settings where you can opt out i'm not describing it well but you will see what i mean when you log in so there you go if you're a Flickr user and you don't want verizon and their group of associated companies to share out your details go to your Flickr account and follow the link to opt out this is a public service announcement (laughs) Okay. Um, are you a Flickr user? No, no, I'm not. I am a photographer, but I was very suspicious of Flickr from from the outset. And uh, it, I decided to try and find uh, somewhere smaller uh, and something I had to pay for to uh, share my photos. I'm on SmugMug and I've been very happy with them. Um, they're still a relatively small family-owned company but they have a global uh, reach um you can find them at photography shows in this country they do have staff in this country 
um, and I've been very happy with them. So I, I avoid Flickr, I must admit, and for just these sort of reasons that we've just gone through here, the fact that they've now been taken over by somebody else and they want to share all your details. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know originally Flickr were a standalone company, I think. They were a startup, they were, like yes. so many of these things. Uh, and then they became part of Yahoo, and now yeah. Yahoo's being broken up, sold off, yeah. falling apart, whatever. Yes, yeah. Uh, the biggest problem, I think, for, for a lot of these things, and I, I expect you'll agree with me, Pete, is that these days it, it's becoming increasingly difficult. When you get this cohort of giant you know, technology companies, the sort of, I don't know, the big five, I suppose, it becomes very difficult to find a service that isn't effectively owned by Google or Amazon or Facebook or, does, or whoever, yeah. unless you're, you know, you have to be really on the ball yeah. if you... Yeah, and, and take an uh, interest if want yeah. to do it. and do your yes. research. But I know a lot of people don't like to do that. No, I mean, Google... Google used to do uh, Picasso, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And that's now morphed into Google Photos. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I Instagram belongs. Well. To, yeah. Instagram. Instagram belongs to Facebook. Yeah. And it, it gets quite difficult. I have an account, and I'm no photographer. I hardly know one end of a camera from the other. <laughs> But I have a free account, uh, which is, you know, a very small amount of space, on a, on a group called Photobucket. Oh, right, yes, yeah. Who I believe are quite well heard yeah. of. And if you want to use it seriously, then uh, I expect you would need to pay a fee, depending on how much you need to use it. But again, I like to mention these sorts of companies, like your Smug Mug one mm-hmm. there, because it can be hard to find good alternatives. Yeah. Can't yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much. Very and, much so. And I'm, um, I'm quite suspicious of um, companies that give you stuff for nothing. You know, it's um, there must be a catch somewhere. Uh, I don't know. Call me old-fashioned, but I think if I'm paying a company fifty to I don't know seventy dollars a year for to host my photos and be able to share them with other people and uh, you know uh, write apps for me, you know that I can download on my phone then I feel like I'm getting something for that and that they're going to, they're not going to be looking to share my data or indeed sell it on or sell on my broadcast, uh, my um, my internet history or, or anything. History and all the rest, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, this, everybody uses the phrase, don't you? If, if you're not paying for it, then you're not the customer, you're the product. Yeah, 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 very much so. And I think that is very often something you have to be aware of. I think the problem is far too many people either don't take it seriously or don't even understand that. I mean, I used Google for for many years, as you've probably heard me say, Mm -hmm. but Google were always upfront about that, to be fair. When they launched Gmail, the deal was made quite explicit. We will give you two gigabytes which at the time was ludicrous. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? We will give you two gigabytes of storage for your mail and provide you with a free mail service and this, that and the other. And in return, you allow us to monitor your email for keywords, which we use to build advertising profiles and so on and so forth. Yeah. And for many years, I accepted that. I was happy with that. I, I knew what it was now as google became bigger and bigger and got their fingers in more i'd be started to become less and less um, comfortable with that deal. yeah 
and that is why I have gradually extracted myself from most of the Google services. Facebook, I don't have anything to do with because I've never t- trusted them as far yeah. as you could so, spit up with so yeah, Yes, you won't find me on um, Facebook. Because right from the start, their privacy rules have been as slippery as an eel. Yeah. Um, they have a tendency to change them all the time. They had this weird thing at one point with friends of friends, which actually meant friends of friends of friends, which with sort of six degrees of separation means yeah. pretty much everybody in the world. Yeah. And, and suddenly you're connected with um, uh, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I am a cheapskate. And I'm happy to look for services who will give you something for free, but I, I'm always careful about what it is they expect in return for them. Yes. There are services who sometimes provide a service for free as as a hook, as a loss leader, and it is no more than a, a way to draw you mm. in. You know, the free levels of uh, services like Dropbox or Box.net and people like that are, are just that. They're a loss leader, aren't they? They're to attract you to their platform and to try it and to use it and then it will say oh you've used up all your space yeah you know you either have to get rid of some of the stuff in your storage space or you need to start paying us a pound a month or two pound a month and i'm i'm quite fine with that yeah you know that's an open and explicit deal i only start to worry when you get the impression that they're giving you something which seems all fine and dandy but what are they actually collecting in return and on that note, actually, Pete, last week, obviously, Scott and I were discussing the somewhat depressing news that Hotspot Shield have been accused you of were, doing exactly, yes, exactly what, exactly that. And yeah. of course, being a VPN, exactly what they tell you they're not going to do. Yeah. Uh, also, we were discussing the fact that, of course, that at the moment, VPNs appear to be advertised everywhere, often yeah. at incredibly you know fabulous rates just give us twenty dollars and get lifetime subscription and so on again something that makes me slightly weird yeah uh one of the ones which i know is well respected one i use myself on the free plan i admit it is the tunnel yeah. bear. and i don't know if you saw this pete have you seen yeah. this yeah. splashed around the yeah Tunnel Bear complete industry first consumer vpn public security audit which I I thought it was very commendable. Yeah, they've yeah. they've had a security audit uh, which they've paid for. They've openly and transparently admitted that the first secure part of the security audit uh, flagged up several problems which they've tackled and then proved, you know, they've had a second 6 months later second audit and it's all it's not a very long report. Uh, it says follow the link to the full report. Mm-hmm. It's not really a full report. It's a summary of the report. However, they've transparently kind of admitted where they were going wrong and what they've done and that they've been audited again. Well, it... and I think that's very commendable. And they They've said that going forward, they will be having a yearly audit and publishing the results, which yeah. all you can do is applaud, yes. isn't it? Oh, very much so, yeah. And it, I listened to the uh, show last week where you uh, discussed um, the uh, VPN software, and I don't use VPN software, but uh, it's one of those things I've been meaning to do. And I thought, you know, I really must have a look at Tunnel Bear because I know John and Dave over at the Mac Geek Gab, both of whom I met a few years ago, use um, Tunnel Bear. So yeah, they, they seem one of the good one of the good guys out there in the yes, in um, VPN world. And they well, they're very much themselves saying, aren't they, that with the explosion of this, you need to, you know, yeah. If there's one person you need to trust, it's your VPN company. Very much so. Yes. 
You know, yeah. you really have to have faith that they are That's not yeah. uh, blagging you. And although it's not in the show notes, I, I saw a really, really disheartening report. Uh, it may even be linked in that report, I don't know now, where... I know this was in the Google Play Store, and some people will say, well, that's hardly a fair yeah. selection. But I think they said in, in there the 40% of the so-called VPNs in the Google Play Store are really? not really what you would call a proper VPN. Oh, They're either Wow. Yeah, and 20% of them apparently didn't even actually encrypt your <gasps> traffic at all. <laughs> So they're so, not even VPN. So, yes, so they're so, not even doing what they say on the tin. No. So, you know, that was really... And obviously Tunnel Bear have stood up and said, this is what we do. We do it for that and we don't do anything else. And here is effectively what we were talking about, saying at least with something like Proton, if you really want, you can get someone who understands this stuff to audit the code. Hmm. And I was saying part of your problem there is that you collecting of your data is not necessarily done inside your encrypted tunnel. It's done by monitoring your metadata as it goes through yeah. the server. But obviously Tunnel Bear here have said we've had a third party come in and check all that for us and check. Well, if you read the report, it tells you various yeah. things that they've had, you know, saying, oh, this here wasn't secure enough because something was stored in a way that could possibly be at and all that all these things have been closed and that going forward they're going to have a security audit and transparently publish it and that and of course for them that's going to be that is obviously a big selling point it's yes. going to yeah, very much people so. like us on podcasts and and tech blogs and whatnot are going to be saying look at tunnel bear they've come out in the open and said this is what we did and this is how we've come past and the tunnel bear are encouraging you know you could say their competitors to do the same yeah. but i guess at the same time what they're doing is challenging the industry to say let's get proper vpns you know clearly flagged as audited and and genuine and let's get rid of all these tutney hateney yeah. well scams or 40 yeah. percent of them on the uh, uh on the google yeah. play store yeah L let's at least get rid of them yeah and you know i see vpns all the time how do you know as we said last week Anyway, so well done to Tunnel Bear, yes. I think, a big gold star. And at the moment, I have disabled Hotspot Shield till such time as it is proven that they're not doing what they've been accused of. If they are doing what they've been accused of, I shall never use them again. <laughs> and and if, they're, if they're cleared of it, then perhaps I will turn them back on. Well, we've got another public service announcement here, which is to be careful to avoid antivirus. Criminals are using PowerPoint files to drop malware. Um, hmm. I picked this one up on WCCF Tech, which sounds like it's something to do with wrestling. But it does, it's doesn't it? Proper tech. <laughs> it is actually a proper tech site. Yeah. Um, there's not really a huge amount to say about this, I don't think, is there, Pete? No, it's I, just I'd the like, usual. I'd like to say I'm um, surprised, but I'm not. And as usual, it comes down to malware. It needs and it, it sends a phishing email, and then um, it will ask you to click on a link. Um, yeah, I don't use PowerPoint myself at home. I use it at work. Uh, some, certainly something I'll make sure our IT manager is aware of. I've, I've also heard, since I read this story, that there is a suspicion in the InfoSec community that this particular campaign of using PowerPoint to avoid AV detection mm. might actually be a test of some kind. Okay, yeah. 
by some malevolent actors to prepare the way to do something nastier, apparently. Um, but so everybody just be warned. I mean, it's the same advice as you ever get, isn't it? Don't open yeah. unsolicited files that you don't expect. Yeah. Of course, the, the way that these people work is to bombard, in particular, I think, large company like, I mean, we get a lot at work, and you've probably seen them mm-hmm. as well, Pete. These ones that say things like, your parking fine is overdue, the attached documentation is in the zip. Or, yeah. Um, and a lot of them, some of them look very much like if you were to send them to a corporate accounts department. Yeah. And some of them can look very, very uh, genuine, saying, oh, your account, such and such, for this, you know, this invoice of this date, blah, 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 this number. And and, it, and they'll often be for quite small amounts. Yeah. 50 to to $100. Yeah. And you can imagine in a big corporate office that going across somebody's desk and, and it, either they just go, oh, yeah, pay that, send the money. How much is it? $50, right, yeah. just pay it, right, because it says it's overdue. Or, oh, I don't recognise that. What's this documentation? Open the documentation, bang. Yeah, you've just installed WannaCry on your <laughs> network and taken yeah. half your company yeah. down. Yeah. Um, Which I must admit, I find, I find amazing. If, if something comes across my desk and, uh, well, we had a bill that was sent to me for a set of ink cartridges from four months previous and it was only for a small amount it was 21 pounds something but i just didn't recognize it so i didn't sign it off and went back to the company and said look don't recognize this at all please provide some more details and we haven't heard anything since see so that's your classic you see what i mean if you Mm. if you were to be doing that sending out bills for 19 pound 97 and you spammed them to loads and loads of big companies and in this case you know maybe they're a a genuine inkjet seller maybe they're not but if it looks genuine enough you know i mean a lot of the i can imagine in a lot of big companies yes it would just and it says over overdue inkjet inkjet cartridges oh just pay it pay it pay it pay it and if they're getting enough hits on that they could be generating quite a lot of money but doing no more than sending out emails which is, of course, why you know why spamming, why spamming works because it costs nothing to do effectively and can, if you're good at it, generate reasonable income. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, yes. Well, yeah. ah, right. Here's something perhaps a bit more cheery. Uh, do you want to take the lead on this one, Pete? Because you you posted it in yeah. there. Yeah. Well, this is um, uh, in Honolulu. Um, a local councillor who goes by the name of Brandon Elefante, uh, hopefully I've pronounced that correctly, he's put forward a uh, law that um, people should face a fine if they are found walking across a public highway whilst looking at their mobile phone. Um, the phone, the fine will be between $15 and $99, depending on how many uh, times they've uh, offended before. Oh, well. I think that's very fair. Yeah, I don't know about yes, you. Yes, so do I do I. I mean, obviously, we both live in uh, Suffolk, so um, you know, it's not the most metropolitan of uh, boroughs, shall we say? But uh, I used to live in London, and yeah, the number of people you see wandering across the street, and they've probably got their earphones on, and they are looking at their mobile device, and they're not looking at uh, you know the situation around them. So yeah. 
I, I note that 911 calls are exempt. All right. And so that's the only excuse you've got. Yeah. I was dialing 911. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you're standing in the middle of the road dialing 911, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's probably because somebody who was looking at their phone has walked in front of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're probably dialing 911 um, for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I really don't have a problem with that. I really don't. We have rules saying you shouldn't use your phone while you're driving yeah. for a perfectly good reason. And I'm going to put the link. Last week, I mentioned a compilation, which I, I said to Scott, we've seen, we've all probably seen it. The one of people walking into lampposts and falling into fountains and various other uh, mishaps because they're walking along looking at their phone, not what they should be doing. And mm. I'm going to put the link in there and it's a YouTube link to a compilation and it's called you can't even text and walk and i believe it's a, a public safety film and right. the idea is obviously you can't even text and walk and there's all these bits of cctv of people crashing into things and then i think it's thing so you know why would you think you can text and drive if people want to walk around on the pavement and smack into lampposts and fall in fountains well i guess that's their own stupid mm. fault but I, I, I can see this guy's point. If you're crossing yeah. the street and looking at your mobile phone instead of what you're doing, you're not only putting yourself in danger, you're putting a load of other people in danger. Yes, definitely. Even, well, we all know the, we all know how it goes, don't you? But if you step in front of a car and get killed, that's terrible. But there's also the problem that the poor sod who's hit you, you know, what sort of trauma are they going to experience, yeah. even if it's not their fault? It doesn't have to be their fault, does no, it? No, that's right. Um, yeah, it... Which is why I always get so annoyed about these people who commit suicide by jumping on the railway tracks. It's like, yeah, that's all right for you. What about the poor sod who has to come and scrape you up? Scrape you, yeah, that's right, yeah. And what about the poor driver? What the hell can he do? He's doing 70 mile an hour in however many hundred tons of steel. And he's, you know, he can't even swerve, can he? He's on the tracks. No, There's nothing that's he right. can do. Yeah. And you've probably ruined his life. Yeah. Uh, Right, well, after that slightly grim section from a light-hearted story, I think we're going to have Cutie Melon moment because Cutie is going to tell us about the St John Ambulance First Aid app. Okay. Welcome to this week's Melon's Moment. This week, I will be talking about the St John's Ambulance app. In the app, there are four little buttons. Under these buttons, they say major, minor, techniques and other information. These have different little subjects which tells you what to do. And if you click on a subject like asthma under major, it will then say what to do. And some of them have other segues. So if you go on to the minor and then the cold, it will say hypothermia indoors, hypothermia outdoors, and then frostbite. And for instance, if I click on frostbite, it will say, move the casualty somewhere warm or you thaw the affect area. And then it's got different steps to tell you what to do. And it's very clear and very simple and it's brilliant. It's literally, if you're looking for the icon, it's a white background which says St John's Ambulance First Aid on it. That simple. If you really do like it, go on to the app store. I think you can get it on Android and Microsoft. And I'm definite that you can get it on the app store on the iOS. So, yeah, if you have any questions and if you have a suggestion for the next 
cutie melon moment then let me know at cutie melon 3000 at gmail.com that's all i have time for this week but i will see you next time goodbye you for that Ruth and Pete I think you will endorse Ruth's yes very much so I I use uh use this John's ambulance app I work at a school and I'm a uh, trained first aider and uh, and the app's really good especially if you don't use your skills every day you need a little reminder and you know the first thing I turn to when I need a reminder of something isn't uh, isn't the book that we came away with yeah, but it's, it's my iPhone I mean I've looked at it I've installed it now because Ruth said to me I'm in the St John and if you haven't got it you should have yeah. uh and it is very good. It's exactly as she described, really, isn't it? There's there's a load of sections for different things, electrocution or fire, yeah. you know, fire, Burn, burning, bleeding. trauma, bleeding. And as she says, below that, various sections on what to do. Is I've checked for Ruth, and this is available on iOS, Android, and it's even available on BlackBerry. Wow. Sorry, Windows Phone people, if you've just cut off your leg in a horrible accident. There we go. It's available for BlackBerry, but not for Windows. I think that kind of says it all about what we were talking <laughs> does, about earlier, it? don't you? <laughs> kind of reinforces that said and done. Well, next we have something from uh, Dougie in the Slack room, which is, comes via iPhone in Canada, and this is some alleged hacking box. Did, did, have you had mm, a look at this one? I did, yes, and I watched the video. Uh, it all seems, um, it seems like a real story. I was initially quite concerned, but quite interested as to why it's the only the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus that's affected. Um, and you have to be running a specific version of the software. I think it's 10.3.3. Yeah, I mean, what it says here is the creators of this tool have exploited a loophole in mm. the phone's data recovery state which allows user to enter as many mm. password attempts as they need. The vulnerability puts at risk iPhone 7 and 7 Plus models running any version of iOS from 10.3.3 and 11 no, beta. Not. Well, no. that's actually not very many, is it? And to be honest, I suspect that that loophole is probably will be closed, either closed immediately or is already closed. So, yes, I, I guess it's slightly embarrassing that maybe there's a flaw in the data recovery state, but... I don't think that's going no, to be around be, for very long, so I don't think that's really a, I don't think that's a terrible threat. It's a sl slight concern, but it, it seems to me. But when ten three four or eleven yeah. happens, or even the next yes. beta, that's going to be shut. All it takes is them. All it takes really is the normal subroutine of you cannot keep entering. You know, after you've entered yeah. three, it says you've got to wait five minutes, and then another, you know, and so on, and and the ever the exponentially bigger time. And these kind of brute forces yeah, are completely, no, no. completely broken. So, uh, yeah. as a proof of concept, yeah. as a proof of concept, brilliant. But the fact that they're selling it morally unpleasant. But if you buy one for five hundred dollars, you're probably wasting your money because by the time yes. it arrives in yeah. the post, it's probably no good. There's always somebody yes, looking to definitely. make a fast yeah. buck. What else have we got? This one, I think, came also came from the Slack room. I can't remember who sent this one in. Uh, everything Google knows about you and how to switch it off, which comes yeah. actually from the Birmingham and Mail. I must admit that I read through this and thought, you know, I really must go and 
follow this and find out. But I don't actually use Google to search the internet. I use um, DuckDuckGo. Yep, yep, so do I. And if I find that if DuckDuckGo doesn't uh, give me a suitable answer, that the benefit with DuckDuckGo is you can use the, yeah. the G exclamation mark edition or even exclamation mark G, it works either way around, and you can add that to your query, and that will make it search Google, but I am told that because it is initiated from DuckDuckGo, it's still not tracked. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, now, I can't confirm that because I don't know enough about how these things work, but yeah. I, I have DuckDuckGo as my default, and that is what I use to search. And yes. I will say 99% of the time, that is absolutely adequate. If I yeah. Yeah. if I can't get a result I want, then I will add exclamation G, and that will force it to use the Google search. And you can also use uh, exclamation I, which will use the Google image search, because oh. much as I like DuckDuckGo, their image searching facility is nowhere near as good as Google. It's not great, is it? <laughs> no. Um, if you're, you know, if you're looking for a copyright-free image to use, I'm afraid you can't really beat Google. So, no. but I, again, I always initiate it from DuckDuckGo with a whatever it is, and then if DuckDuckGo doesn't give me anything, I add exclamation I, and that will take me through the Google image. And I'm given to understand that because you rooted it from DuckDuckGo, it doesn't get tracked. Whether that's strictly true or not, I couldn't say. But anyway, let's get back to the point. Yes, I, like you, followed this, uh, which takes you to myactivity.google.com eventually, yeah. doesn't it? And it will show you all the things that Google has uh, logged about what you've done. Um, yeah. And you can expunge it. I went into mine, I went delete mm. activity and then set it delete activity for all time and cleared it. And then it says, oh, this might muck up your Google services. It's like, I don't care. Now, removing it from there, I'm sure probably doesn't. <laughs> Google have already collected that information. I'm sure they don't really care whether yeah. you do that or not. But it does right. actually allow you to see how many things you've used which are reporting to Google. Yeah, that would be interesting. What did you find then, Pete, when you went through well, it? Well, I haven't, uh, I haven't actually done this yet, but I, uh, it's something I'm going to do on this on my home uh, MacBook Pro because I use DuckDuckGo and I don't use my Google Mail account as the primary mail account, um, and I don't sign into YouTube here. Um, I'd be interested in seeing mm. what it does. But at work, where we use Google uh, services all the time, I work at a school and we use Google Classroom and we use the entire suite of Google products, I'd be uh, very interested to see what this... Um, now, that would be today. an interesting thing to know, actually, Pete, because mm. Google do say, don't they, that if you've got a like a Google educational account, because they provide a whole load mm. of things yes, for education for free... Uh, you know, access, Basically. as you say, Google Classroom and access to Google Docs and a whole load of other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I get free, unlimited um, storage on, on the Google Drive. Um, the Google yeah. Drive, and yeah. they, which is, and they do a whole load of things. And of course, obviously, that you know, like all these things, it's a lost leader. It's getting students familiar with their ecosphere and comfortable with their with their products, uh, which is fine. Again, as long yeah. as you go in with your eyes open and you understand what they're doing. But yeah. they always say, don't they, that the that the educational accounts are not tracked in the same way as uh, you know 
consumer. Do they? Oh, so it would be interesting yeah. for you, uh, you know, either to come on another show yeah. or to send us in a, a little report um, yes. and to, to compare yeah. what, what your consumer account knows about you, even though you don't use Gmail as your main yeah. account and don't. I mean, when I looked in mine for what it was worth, because I haven't used Gmail as my main account for some time and I use DuckDuckGo as my main search engine and so on, the main thing that it appeared to have was you logged into such and such website with your Google details, um, you used Google Maps. Often I have to say they're the ones where you go to a website and there's a map and you click on it. So it's yes. tracked those. I have to say though, I do use both AdBlock Pro and Ghostery on my on my Mac. Um, Ghostery, right. yeah, I use yeah, AdBlock. Ghostery Pro. is a fine service. It's less of an ad blocker and more of an anti tracker. It's a free uh, again. It's free, uh, right. and they say that they they track your blocks. So you right. use the Ghostery to, uh, and you can select what things it turns off. So for example, you okay. can make it turn off those tweet this google plus this like this on facebook blah 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 type buttons mm. uh add to okay. pinterest all really those good. sort of things you can make it turn all those off yes. or not track them yeah. and so on and so forth uh and yeah. there's a huge slew of things you can use ghostry to do uh, yeah yeah i'm, I'm on yeah that page and it's now. free it's free but what they do is they track your blocks and you give you have to give them permission to use that information to, hmm. um, as I understand it, they use that information to sell back to advertisers saying people were blocking this because they don't like it. You know, basically, yeah. don't be, don't be douchebags. You're yeah, actually yeah. hurting yourself Stop. by doing this. More and more people are, are blocking you. And I also, yeah, no, but that, anyway, that it, I find it a brilliant service. I read through their terms and what they do. Nothing in there offended me. Uh, and that's great. It just blocks pretty much everything. I turned off. I turned yeah. off almost everything. I think I left. I left on a service called Gravatar, which allows you to have an, you know, a personal avatar, which shows yeah. up on various forums and if you reply in various and and discuss, which is a which is a service that allows you yeah. to log in and on certain quite a lot of tech pages and things use the Discus yeah. um, comments. Yes. So I allow Discus yeah. and I allow Gravatar, and that's about it. To be honest, and uh, I have the little thing in my Safari bar and it will show me that and the adblock pro and i'm on a page now i'm not going to mention what it is but it has 19 adverts and 23 trackers blocked and you if you right. install those yeah. you will be amazed at how many trackers it blocks you'll look at these totals and it can be quite right. scary and that okay. is right. if anybody who's interested in that that is available from uh, i think it's ghostry.com isn't it it is yes yeah i'm on their page now yeah i'm um... And as soon as we finish the podcast, I'm going to install yes, it. It's, it's very good. Right. Well, how are we doing? I don't know. I'm no idea where we are for time because we've had <laughs> technical we've had technical breakdowns. Uh, so we'll just, what have we got? Scott sent yeah. us a piece about to win the AI assistant wars, Apple is melding Siri with its other services. Uh, and this came from Fast Company. I read this. I don't know if you've read this. It actually didn't add up to very much, did it? It was a, an interesting title. I, must, didn't... I, I must admit, I've, I've clicked on the, the show notes and I get the, sorry, this is, item isn't available in Apple News. 
Well, I did read that story, right. and it doesn't really add, come to a great deal. Um, what it's suggesting is that Apple, because Apple has a big ecosphere, if it was, t- and it, what they're suggesting is they are doing, and I think this is true, yeah. that by gradually adding, blending Siri into all its other services, so it started off as a simple question and answer app on your phone, and then it added you know, more things, and now it works with Maps, and then it adds can control your eye tunes and then they're adding uh, you know it works with apple tv and now they're adding a home pod and what they the gist yeah. of the story was that uh because apple has, has such a huge ecosphere if they just keep improving series step by step and gradually sucking in all their other services that they have a chance to become still the biggest player despite um yeah Amazon and Google's apparent overtaking of them because in the end Siri will be more all in inclusive that's I, yeah I think if you're um in the Apple ecosystem um and it, like I am although I I don't uh, use Siri but recently I've started to think that maybe I should give it another go because I used it when it first came out and yeah found it underwhelming <laughs> but um uh yeah i mean they're trying to turn it into a sort of concierge yes. type um service now where you can ask it to do things which i must admit when um i was a lad reading science fiction novels of set in the far distant future this is exactly as i imagined it would be i would be able to say something to a piece of technology that would do something for me yes and i Um, think you know the whole smart home thing which has been going on since i was a boy i've heard people talking about smart homes i think the convergence of technology is now such that it's probably on the edge of becoming mainstream and you're yeah. right, that, that ability, and it's Jarvis, isn't it? It's Jarvis from Iron Man. That's what everybody really wants, or the computer from Star Trek. So you, you just come yeah. into the room and either it yeah. knows you that you're there through a variety of sensors and turns the lights on, or you yeah. simply come yes. into the room and as you open the door, you go lights and, and the lights come on. Yeah. You know? And then yes. you can yeah. either, whatever it is, it's the old, you know, clap your hands and the drinks cabinet pops yeah. open or and so on and so yeah. forth all and, those and, all those things that and, we've all remember from the sci-fi of our youth yeah um that's right and marvin the paranoid android suddenly comes yeah. out and brings you a a a glass of beer but then also has a yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> indeed brain as big as a planet and you want me to open a can that's of it. lager i ask you <laughs> really yeah well yeah so I will put the correct. I will track down the correct link. Um, as I say, the... yeah, yeah. I've actually found. I've actually found it now on a uh, on, on another website. Yeah, as as you say, it's not. It doesn't actually tell us too much. No, it's here, a little. Other than the fact that they are looking for um, um, Siri to become indispensable to <laughs> us. Well, aren't they all? You know, they'd all like Alexa yeah. and Google, whatever it is, or Google and all the rest. I'm sure Huawei and Samsung and various. Samsung have brought one out and they Bixby is it called <laughs> yeah and I think I keep thinking where do I know that name from where is Bixby from yeah 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 it Same was Bixby here. the butler in in heart to heart or something it's got to be something like that. Right. I've no idea gotcha. where yes. it comes from yeah. but you know I'm surprised yeah. nobody's probably because of copyright but I'm surprised nobody's brought one out called money penny yeah yes boy money penny do this but um 
I suspect <laughs> too much licensing, too much licensing for that. Yeah, yeah, I think they'd run into problems. <laughs> um, well, I think we've pretty much covered it all, Pete. Okay. I Excellent. hope you've had fun. I know it's all been a bit. Yes, that's uh, been it's really all good. Been a bit weird this week with uh, Mark being in a strange internet situation. So I'm going to have to do a yeah. lot of editing to make sense of some of the breaks. But it's been great, and you, as Mark said, I'm, I really do hope you'll come on again. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I, I'd certainly. Uh, what I'm going to do is look up my uh, sign in my Google account and look at the information they hold on me and the searches I've made at home and then do it at work under my education account. That would be very, very interesting to know about. Yeah, I'll do some more research and report back. Right. This is, of course, the part where I give you the obligatory social media and slack room blurb. You can find the show on EssentialApple.com, MyMac.com, Pinecast, on the Twitter as at EssentialApple, on the Facebook, on the Google+, and in our Slack room. I can be reached on Twitter as at Serenak, that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Mark is at OceanSpeed, and Pete is at Suffolk Pete. If you want to join our Slack room, just send myself or Mark a request because it's invitation only because that's how Slack works, I'm afraid, and we will send you an invitation. I think that's about all for this week. So I'm going to let Pete go home and I am going to take us out. Goodbye, everybody. Okay, bye-bye. This show is part of the MyMac Podcasting Network. The network where you can find, obviously, the MyMac show, the Tech Fan show, the Three Geeky Ladies, the geekiest show ever, Club Nintendo, and, of course, the excellent Bart Bouchot's Let's Talk, and many others. Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, technology, sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever, every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network.